Welcome to When They Popped. Let's rewind to a simpler time together and dive deep into the music, movement, and mania behind our favorite Y2K celebrities and trends. Hosted by Kelsey and Mary, it's time for another episode of When They Popped. Hello, and welcome to When They Popped. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Mary. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited for our episode today. And we're so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for all your support, for following us on social media. We're just so excited to have you with us. But without further ado, today we are talking about the top videos of the year 2000 on TRL, which ones were uh, number one the most, which ones were the most popular. And this was a labor of love for me, Kelsey. I spent a lot of time on the TRL Wikipedia page counting because they have like list every single day for every single year that TRL was on and what video was number one that day. And I did a lot of counting to determine our top videos of 2000. And that's women in STEM. (laughs) Yes, math. We love Meanwhile, my (laughs) eyes twitching uncontrollably because I was up all night rewatching these music videos and just dying. Glitching. Yes. But for, for those of you who don't remember, need a little refresher, just some interesting background. Total Request Live, a.k.a. TRL, is an American TV broadcast on MTV that we all know and love, and it premiered on September 14th, 1998. TRL featured popular music videos, played during its countdown, and was also used as a promotion tool by musicians, actors, other celebrities to promote their newest works to the show's target teen demographic, a.k.a. us. For me, TRL is a memory of the best days, a true nostalgia trip. I just remember coming home from school, so excited to see if my favorite was still at number one or determined to get my favorite to number one. What are your memories of TRL, Kels? Oh my God, same. I would rush home from school, put it on immediately, (laughs) see who was there in the studio. And TRL was just so interesting because this was before social media. So this was really, aside from paparazzi photos and actual music videos or seeing your favorite stars live in concert or at a live performance, this was all we got to see the personalities of our favorite celebrities of the time. So it was like, inject it into my veins right Mm -hmm. now. I was was truly obsessed with TRL. Apparently, this concept of TRL was just nonchalant idea that happened to become a goldmine. TRL production executive Bob Cusbit explained that he proposed merging two of MTV's summer experience, Total Request and The Carson Daly Show, into a one-hour-long countdown show to be broadcast live from the new MTV studio at 3.30 p.m., pointedly when kids would be returning home from school. He's quoted saying, you know, there was no genius to it. When we started TRL, it was just Carson, the camera guys, and a floor director. Cusbit said they never really thought about people showing up in Times Square, which totally became a thing for TRL. It was always on a school day. That's true. Like, I was always like, how do these kids get to skip school and just go to TRL. I was always like, oh yeah, maybe I'll go like during spring break or something. But then they would do their spring break specials. So it was of course. unfortunately, my parents made me actually go to school. (laughs) I know. Same. Never happened for me either. But so again, TRL started in 98. And as we all know, the rise and success of this show was astounding. During the original run of the program, TRL played the 10 most requested music videos of the day as voted by viewers on the phone or online. The show aired Monday through Thursday, generally for one hour, 
And even though the scheduling, the days, the length fluctuated over the years. And although TRL was billed as a live show, many episodes were pre-recorded. So I wonder if they ever pre-recorded them like on a weekend or like and not actually after like during the school hours. You never know. Maybe I actually didn't know that. Total that's... request live. Liars. Like, total request lies. Yes, exactly. So in 1999, a year after the show's been live, and this is the apex of the teen pop boom, the show averaged a whopping 853,000 viewers per episode, according to Nielsen. And Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Britney Spears, and Christina Aguilera videos became so dominant that the producers had to come up with a rule where after videos spent 65 days on the list, they were retired in order to allow other acts and their fam armies to taste the victory, the sweet victory of being on the TRL top 10. So in 2003, after the show had been on air for five years, Carson Daly, the long-term permanent host, decided to leave. And so after Carson left, they had kind of a revolving door of different hosts and VJs. Vanessa Manillo, Damian Fahey, Hillary Burton, Stephen Coletti, Lala Vasquez, and Susie Castillo, just to name a few. I loved Sway. I know that he's like this huge yes. radio guy. He already had a huge following before he joined. But he's great. Sway to me was like such a perfect meld of music industry news, general like current events, and then just having this really cool laid back. Like everyone wanted yes. to be Sway or be Sway's friend, I feel like. He was really likable and just mm-hmm. like good at his job. And uh, he, he was a great replacement. I agree. So that was in 2003, Carson left. But in 2008, due to a decline in ratings and, you know, the general larger decline of music-based television in favor of online services like Hello YouTube and the interweb, MTV eventually announced the cancellation of TRL on September 15th in 2008. And by that time, they had already aired 2,247 episodes, which is kind of a big that's deal. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. They held a three-hour special marking the end of the show that was aired on November 16th, 2008. TRL chose the top 10 most iconic videos of all time and aired them as their final countdown, their fi- their last farewell. Technically, Baby One More Time by Britney Spears was the last music video ever to be played on TRL's last episode because they named it the number one video of all time. So less than a decade later, TRL was eventually revived on October 2nd, 2017. And in 2019, they had a Saturday morning show that they called the TRL Top 10. So at the close, TRL had ran for 20 seasons. Take that, that Grey's Anatomy or whatever show has a ton of seasons. (laughs) Did you ever watch the revival? Yes. No. I mean, by then, yeah, the need was just not there anymore. YouTube and social media, we were getting our information straight from the celebrities themselves. I feel like we just didn't need them anymore, unfortunately. Even though TRL sort of puttered out towards the end and there was an unsuccessful revival, there is no denying that this show had such a huge impact on pop culture. It shaped pop culture. It was pop culture. And again, because this show came out before social media, it was considered one of the first, quote unquote, truly interactive television shows, utilizing the synergy of the internet and television to count down the top music videos of the day. And this is the only way we could watch music videos. Like, it was this and VH1. And you had to just stay glued to the TV and run to the bathroom during the commercial break so you wouldn't miss your favorite music video. Like, this was all we had. 
So some of the fun interactive features that the show implemented, again, just going back to that theme of including the fans um, was such a huge element of it. So Mm -hmm. they would have these 15 second video clips where fans would appear screen within screen during (laughs) the airing of a music video. So you'd see the real time reactions. You kind of felt like you were there in the little studio. So the show also, quote unquote, gave us the last peer view of big celebrities because we were able to see so many of these unscripted moments happen in the studio you know whether celebrities were showing up unannounced or sort of off the cuff comments with these vjs so trl was also this huge sort of equalizing moment because no matter who was performing or what they were performing they had the same stage there was never a huge production element to the show they were all on the same level pretty much as the fans who were in the studio and it was either you were good and you could capture the attention of everyone there or you couldn't. So I really yeah. loved that everyone got equal treatment when they were on TRL. And the only way you could outdo someone else was just by being a better performer, point mm-hmm. blank. It's hard to overstate how big of a deal TRL yeah, was. Fans would sleep on the streets. <laughs> One producer recounted that when the Backstreet Boys were coming to town, he said he got to work and there'd be people sleeping on the streets. It's just crazy. One producer recalled Brad Pitt being really nervous to huh. go on the show. They said he was pacing back and forth and he was so nervous and he said it was like cool to see how vulnerable they could be and i feel like that just goes back to you know there's no harsher critic than a room full of teenagers oh. you know and trl i got i looked at trl to get my news my current events because yeah. not only were they talking about pop culture and celebrities but they would also have these mtv news reporters who would share the latest news and headlines so that was literally the only yeah. time i'd get news so here's some fun facts some of the vjs of trl became celebrities in their own right and most of them Mm -hmm. are still super successful today these names all sound really familiar because they're all still very much a part of the zeitgeist there's a fun tidbit from damien fahey that he was obviously on aim because who wasn't back then Duh. and one day one of his producers asked him for his screen name because vanessa carlton wanted it what do we think her screen name was like a thousand White miles. Houses. Yeah, White Houses. Uh, like, I, I just would love to know. I would it was probably know. like just like VC. Like yeah. something just like really or like Vanessa with like eight A's. <laughs> <laughs> and then lest we forget that Nick Lachey and Vanessa met on TRL, which led to her starring in his music video about <sighs> his divorce from Jessica Simpson. And the rest, as they say, is history. So let's get into the top music videos again okay. mary went through wikipedia painstakingly <laughs> and counted up <laughs> double check it's a math maybe women in STEM, we have a podcast but yeah we're not mathematicians <laughs> we are good with words and music and that's about it and as always before we jump into our episode quick disclaimer that we do not own or claim to own the rights to the songs or performances in this episode the purpose of these clips is for commentary and critique Coming in at number one, I'll give you one guess as to what artist could hold this Hmm. esteemed position in the year 2000. Obviously, it's the Backstreet Boys. Shape of My Heart spent 51 days at number one, which is, again, math whiz Mary over here, 20% (laughs) of the year 2000. It's worth mentioning that Shape of My Heart was actually number one for 61 days. It bled over into 2001 a little bit, so I didn't put that into the total. That is the most for any music video ever on TRL. So this is number one, not only of 2000, but of all time. It holds the record. 
I don't think that anyone can deny that the year 2000 belonged to the Backstreet Boys. You could not go anywhere. No. Listen to anything on the radio without hearing them. And no surprise, this song was a Max Martin bop. We can't escape him and I never want to escape him. So what's fun about this music video is it broke the Backstreet Boys' own record for longest running (laughs) number one song, which was previously held by Larger Than Life. Not surprised that they the boys hold this title. They actually hold four out of five spots of the longest running number one videos on TRL. Not surprised. I know, but like, don't hate me. I am a little surprised that is this video, like, especially with the budget for larger than life. Like I just, no, I know like literally same. It's like, yes, not to say that it's a boring music video because we get a lot of face and that's what I like. I want to see them up close. I want to be inside Brian's nostrils. You know that Instagram account, Brian's nostrils. I'm so mad someone thought about it before I could. (laughs) That's so funny. Like that's so clever. I die. Brian's nostrils are iconic and now they're getting the attention they deserve on this podcast. But I am with you. This music video, it was such a stark departure from the flashy pyro and the CGI and special effects of their other music videos. There's no choreography. There's no no dancing. It's just them. And I feel like that just speaks to how huge they were. They have a making the video for this. And for those of you who need a little reminder, making the video (sighs) were those fun behind the scenes. It was a 30 minute show where they would take you behind the making of the music video and then Mm -hmm. they would premiere it. So it would be a really great lead up. You'd see all that went into it. You'd get fun, you know, behind the scenes access interviews with the stars and you'd always get some fun off the cuff moments. Also really fascinating because music videos have such a quick turnaround time. Usually there's like two to three days tops of filming. So you're seeing the celebrities like very authentically and raw. They're really tired. We'll talk about it in one of the videos coming up that some of these shoot days were like 22 hours long. So it was very cool to see what went into it because, again, we didn't have social media. There was no other way for us to see what it was really like to be part of it. So in this particular making the video for Shape of My Heart, they're interviewing all of the boys to explain the song. And Brian, <laughs> I think Brian must have been a little cranky or tired because he goes, yeah, you know, Shape of My Heart is just a typical sad love song. And then it cuts to AJ's interview and AJ goes, this is not your typical love song. I, I tend to agree with AJ on this one. This is not a typical love song. This is one of the best love songs of all time. And if I'm being too biased, at least of our generation, like my dad knows this song, my boyfriend knows this song, and neither can deny both the feelings you get in the feels when you hear this song and just how damn good the boys, their voices sound on this song. I know they sound so good. So I also wonder if maybe the song itself was what attracted the fans to it, not just necessarily the video itself. True. But let's get into the style of the video itself. First of all, I gotta say, this was peak Brian for me. He had that curly, longish blonde hair. This was also long hair Howie era. We got black and blue Howie. He is edgy. He has long straightened hair and a really good facial Uh. hair. This video is also done in blue scale so Mm -hmm. instead of like a sepia tone or black and white it's black and blue which is very fitting given it was the lead single off their 2000 studio album black and blue the music video was filmed at the orpheum theater in los angeles and the photography style was meant to showcase a more mature side of the band so obviously we know that their videos prior to this were 
crazy. They had the huge budget for Larger Than Life, lots of CGI, amazing choreo. And Billboard magazine called this music video the sound of a boy band becoming a group of men. So the director, Matthew Ralston, said that this video played into a larger strategy of giving the boys a new look. Every pop star at the time, every video was a new way to view that star. That was the point of videos, to be a shape changer, to play with their image Mm. and keep evolving it. And I feel like that's such a good point about the value of music videos and the opportunity that they presented for artists before social media. They couldn't like clear their feed to reveal a new era or a look a la Taylor Swift. You know, everything (laughs) was accomplished by music videos, red carpet appearances, paparazzi photos, or the actual tours and televised appearances on TRL. So the video plays such an important role in the overall strategy of, you know, how they want to be seen and how they want to be perceived. So in the music video, we see the Backstreet Boys rehearsing lines for a production titled Shape of My Heart. (laughs) We see these two actors on stage who are sort of acting out the feelings that are conveyed in the song itself. So the actress in the music video, her name is Sarah Foster. You've probably heard that name Mm -hmm. before because she's sort of like a celebrity in her own right. She's David Foster's daughter. So David is a legendary music producer. He's, if all my Real Housewives girlies, he's ex-husband of Yolanda Hadid. You know who he is when he shushed everyone for the mm-hmm. sing-along. I still can't believe it. <laughs> so it was Gigi and Bella's ex-stepdad. So she's in this, which is just kind of funny. And the actor's name is Ryan McTavish. And they're just rehearsing on the stage while the Backstreet Boys are sort of performing alongside them. You do get some cute, like, behind-the-scenes moments that they incorporated into the video. Like, how he, like, pulls AJ's beanie down over his eyes. And there are some playful moments in it that feel really cute. Like, you are seeing the behind-the-scenes of a production. And again, I just think Brian looks so good. (laughs) Like, that's really all that stuck out to me. I was was blinded by Brian. Can I mention my two favorite parts of this song? I always get stuck on loneliness is tragical. I know. Tragical. And then if you're in the fandom or if you're not, I think Nick's bridge, I'm here with my confession, is just hard to beat. very special love song. So number one of 2000 and of all time, Shape of My Heart. Excellent summary, Kels. Let's move on to number two. Are you ready for number two? She's ready. Okay, she's ready. It's only fitting that we have a similar group in number two. And that is in sync with their very famous video, Bye Bye Bye. love this music video. It's deserving of the second spot. I agree. This literally peaked at number one on TRL, obviously. And it stayed at number one for 40 days total. And for 25 of those days, it was consecutive. So for 25 straight days, Bye 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 was number one, which is pretty significant, I would say. The video was directed by Wayne Isham. He's worked with Janet Jackson, 
Bon Jovi, Metallica, Ricky Martin, 98 Degrees, Sheryl Crow, Britney Spears, just to name a few. And it was released on January 11th, 2000. So this budget was estimated to be about $1 million, which was attributed to the band really wanting to be noticed on MTV. You know, they had had their first album. I think that was their self-titled debut. And now they were really ready to break into the United States. And they sure as hell did. This video was shot over a period of two days. As Kelsey said, that's pretty common. And this song is very famous, obviously, because it's a great song, but also because of the choreography, because everyone knows this dance. My dog knows this dance. Okay. So it was done by Darren Henson, a friend of the pod. We love Darren Henson. He is very prevalent in this music video list. And he tells a story that he was basically on his way out of the music industry. He was about to quit. He had just lost an MTV Video Music Award after choreographing Jordan Knight's Give It To You. And he was just kind of down in the dumps. The opportunities weren't presenting themselves as much as they had been in the past. And he got a call from famed NSYNC manager Johnny Wright. Johnny asked him if he'd be interested in choreographing NSYNC's Bye Bye Bye. So Darren immediately flew to Las Vegas where the band was performing at the Billboard Music Awards so he could kind of get a vibe of them and listen to the track and see what he could do. For this video, we get the boys starting out as puppets, basically hanging from the, what are they, marionettes? This is for the No Strings Attached album, which, you know, has Lou Pearlman references. We were very young when this came out, and even I understood the symbolism back then. Yes. They didn't want to be controlled by somebody else. And obviously in the music video, it's a pretty girl. So as a viewer, you're thinking, oh yeah, everyone's been in a situation where they felt controlled or manipulated by somebody else. But I love looking back and knowing what we know about Lou Pearlman now Mm -hmm. and how he really pulled the wool over their eyes and took advantage of NSYNC and other boy bands of the time for so long that there's it's a layered meaning. Oh yeah. I really like that they kept the puppetry theme throughout the album art, the music video, and then there's even some other music videos on this yeah. list that we'll talk about where they really pulled this red thread through. It just felt really cohesive and recognizable to me. No matter what video you were watching from this album, it had this same look, which I thought was fun. And they did a couple of fun different variations on it. It's kind of tattooed in our mind because of that. And it, it makes a lot of sense. It was very creative and clever, in my opinion. But so there, the marionettes, this woman is controlling them. And the video starts, she cuts the strings and they, they're falling down. And just like Shape of My Heart, this video also had a making the music video with MTV. And so we can see the boys, you know, hanging up by these harnesses and then being dropped down. It was very cool to kind of see how they made it. But this woman, you know, proceeds to like chase them throughout this music video, kind of smiling the whole time, which I thought was kind of creepy and eerie. Our next scene we cut and it's Joey and Chris on this like speeding train and they're running from this woman still. And during the speeding train sequence, Chris and Joey performed their own stunts as they were jumping from one train carriage to another. One of the camera operators needed to be replaced mid-scene because he was so uncomfortable with literally filming on top of a moving train and like running after Chris and Joey. And they were like hanging from the ladder and jumping into the train to try to escape this woman. And like in making the video, you see them doing it in real time, which is pretty crazy. I just can't get over, like you said, (laughs) this girl is smiling really creepily in a backless halter top yeah smiling with no light behind her eyes chasing them <laughs> on top of a train it's, it's wild. just a, a crazy concept so as 
we see her cut the strings from each of the members, they sort of are dropped into these other perilous or scary situations where they're trying to get away from her. Once they think that they've cut themselves free, she still finds a way to chase them down. Exactly. And besides them each being in these kind of unique, dangerous situations, we also are getting flipped back and forth between this iconic blue room that we, I know you all can picture and they're standing in their pyramid formation, basically, and they're doing that infamous Bye 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 Darren Henson choreography. And and you can see in making the video, the room is actually rotating. I thought they were using like trick photography, but they were rotating this room upside down, back and forth. And these boys were like kind of falling around the room in harnesses, like seemed a little bit nervous they were going to get hurt which I understand. So I thought that was really cool. And it creates the visual we see in the video. And then you see these, all the five guys in this little room trying to do the choreography at the same time. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. This look of when they're doing their choreography, I call it like the cube vibe. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like in Y2K, so many music videos use like a cubed shaped set where there were just like a colored light. I don't know. Something about it just felt so Y2K. And I remember watching some of the commercials on MTV at the time that you can see the the behind the scenes of this music video was such a big deal because of the spinning room. And it just seems so fun. And I think that blue room and them dancing in it is the image of that music video. When they ever cut to a a sample of Bye Bye Bye, that's Mm -hmm. the image they put. And it's very infamous, I would say. So then we get cut to Justin's experience with this woman. He's dropped down into this like scary, dark tunnel alley type thing. And it's kind of funny. He like drops down and he like looks up and the music pauses and he does this little like, ha ha, chuckle. And then the music restarts. does this on their pop odyssey tour there's like these moments where he'll just like the music will stop and he'll like say something or laugh and it'll restart again i don't know if that's just something he he likes to mix into his work but he's you know running down this hallway being chased by this smiling woman who has her two scary dobermans like barking running after him we met them and making the video they're very sweet zora and xena and then Justin's running, running, and he reaches a dead end. But I guess he could keep running, but it's raining outside, so he doesn't want to <laughs> keep running. I'm like, okay, if this creepy, smiling girl's chasing me, I'm braving the rain, but... Okay, Loretta um, <laughs> Moda, like, you can't go outside in the rain. Pixel perfect throwback funny. to anyone who listened to our last episode. <laughs> this part of the, mu- the music video gave me Saw vibes. Like, it's legit yeah. scary. He's running through this empty warehouse, and, like, there's, like, strobe lights. And yeah. I also, this, this at this point in the music video, I couldn't help but draw a parallel to Backstreet Boys The Call music video because, you know, there's one girl who's chasing all of them throughout these different little vignette moments. So I don't know. It felt like maybe there were similarities there. He's also, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but he is full on noodle head for this music video. This is classic JT. And then finally we get to JC and Lance and they're dropped down into a red Dodge Viper as part of a car chase scene with this scary woman. This was inspired actually by JC's favorite film, Ronin. I'd never seen it, but cool that they could work in some of their their faves. They actually hired some of the stunt coordinators from that movie to work on the video shoot. JC looks good in this era. Uh, No getting around it. I think he was bringing the heat. Okay, when he blows off the CD before putting it in his... Remember how we used to have to blow off CDs to make sure there wasn't dust on them so they wouldn't skip? And then he like 
rips the engine while he's like still looking at Lance. Oh, I died. He looks so good. Yeah, it was a great scene. And, uh, you know, they're on this car chase, dangerous maneuvers going fast. This woman's chasing them. And the video ends when JC and Lance eventually make this like sudden U-turn when a truck blocks them, forcing the puppet master, this woman, to break more slowly and spend time doing a big U-turn. And it gives them this time to flee in the opposite direction and they escape on skates. The puppet master is a woman named Kim Smith. And she's also in another video that we're going to discuss on this list. And it's really cute. And making the video, the boys are like, oh my God, she's so pretty. Why are we running away from her in this video? It doesn't make any sense. And they call her their Bond girl. So I thought that was really cute. We also see Darren come in and he's like, this is going to be the hottest video you have ever seen. And he kind of was not wrong. In 2000 at the VMAs, Bye 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 won the best pop video, best pop choreography, and the viewer's choice. So that's pretty decisive, I would say. And As we mentioned earlier, at the end of its run, TRL chose top 10 most iconic videos and aired them in their final countdown, and Bye 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 was ranked number four. Kelsey, you are and were a Backstreet Boys girly at heart, like myself, but you liked this video, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no denying. It's a great music video. The dancing, it's so iconic. Everyone knows this dance when you hear this song. Like, it was embedded in our brain to your point when i think of justin timberlake and in sync i think of them from this music video literally in the blue room and yes it's in cool. the v formation like yes. a flock of ducks like i Classic. loved it going right into number three you guessed it it's another in <laughs> sync song it's it's gonna be mine <laughs> video was number one for 30 days in the year 2000. Another Max Martin bop. Really just continuing on the train here. This is a, it almost felt like a part two to the Bye 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 music video. This video, we, I just would like to note, we are in the Joey Fatone red tips era. Just so everyone knows, Joey has it's his red really tips. It's really important that you all know that. Yes. <laughs> so the video really keeps up with the motif of the album, the puppet motif that was used in No Strings Attached. Again, here they're being portrayed as dolls. But this one takes more of a comical, comedic spin yeah. on the theme. And they're fighting with the other toys of the toy store to get bought (laughs) and we see kim smith again she is our actress in the music video the director brought her back again to really make the videos flow seamlessly with one another so we see the boys vying for the attention of kim so that they can get bought and honestly this whole music video is it's giving toy story i'm not gonna lie i i I was a little creeped out by the like ken doll vibes but i i love that kim's in it i love when she's walking through this store And they're like teeny tiny, they're doll sized and they're like jumping up and down trying to get her attention, like buy us, buy us. And she like totally doesn't notice them and keeps on walking. That was just such a contrast to her chasing them in the Bye 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 music video. So the music video used limited CGI. So most most of what we see are life-size toys that were made to look as authentic as possible. Even the Ah. boys themselves are turned into dolls, which is really fun. I like when we see them battling the little G.I. Joe dolls. They're like wrestling 
And then when they see the cute little Barbie looking dolls, they're like, hello, ladies. It's just, it's, it's a cute concept. I enjoyed it. It really feels like Toy Story when all the toys come alive at night in the toy store. Yeah. So most notably, they completely transformed InSync into dolls with this prosthetic makeup. It took them six hours to apply all of the makeup. And then wow. the band had to keep it on for a 24-hour period because their shoot schedule was so crazy. They had to shoot for 22 straight hours in this music video. So I watched the making the video for this and I have to say, like, NSYNC came off like angels. They are covered in the special effect makeup. It can't feel good. It can't smell good. I mean, they must smell like a plastic like pvc pipe they had to dance in it both in the makeup and for 22 hours but they never lost their good humor they barely complained at all it just it was really sweet they came off as like really lovely people i love that the video has kind of a cute ending ultimately kim sees them purchase the purchases the doll boys and when they get scanned at the register they're turned back into their life-size self Thank you for saving them, Kim. Not all heroes wear capes. It was funny to see them filming this part and then making the video behind the scenes. I feel like NSYNC are actually really good actors. Like, they did such a good job pretending to be these dolls. They're, you know, playing with the Barbies. They're fighting the G.I. Joes. There's the fight scene that you mentioned earlier. I feel like they did such a good job. And knowing that they were doing it on zero sleep and still, like, were able to convey that much charisma. There's a scene where they're dancing as the dolls. And they had to do it in halftime of what they would normally dance to because they wanted to be able to speed up the halftime to make it look more like jagged and um, more jerky like as they were dancing like a doll might look where you're like moving almost like a stop motion vibe so they had to dance at half tempo while they're in their prosthetic makeup it was 6 a.m at that point they'd been filming since 10 a.m the morning before so that doesn't even include like the time to put their makeup on so i love how much fun this music video is and they didn't lose that energy even after working on it for so long so this song also we have to mention spawned the famous it's gonna be my (laughs) meme with justin timberlake that people always like to post at like the end of the month of april because it's gonna Bay. So funny enough, the music video has consistently received the most traffic on April 30th because of this meme. It's just a fun, light video. The choreography is so amazing. Again, super recognizable when you think of the song, like everyone knows a little bit of the dance. Okay, so that sort of wraps up in sync for now. Mary, (laughs) who was the fourth most played music video? This one's a little the fourth one is a little bit embarrassing for me, Kelsey, because I had never heard it before preparing for this episode. Number four, with 24 days at number one in 2000 on TRL, we have Hanson, If Only. So this music video features the brothers traveling in a desert on their tour bus, unloading their equipment to shoot a music video. And again, I may have just completely missed this one, but I don't remember the song or the video or anything of the sort. 
No, literally me neither. I watched this. I was like, what the? I was like, I'm sure once I Google the song, like, no, I didn't know shit. (laughs) I never, it was like, I'd never seen Hanson before. I know. But like, you know, I listened to, I was like, okay, this is a cute song. Like I liked it when I listened to it. I think I probably would have liked it if I had heard it when I was a kid, but it just, it never made it to me um, in 2000. But the videos, you know, cute concept. The boys are looking at their map, the nostalgia. Remember when we had to look at maps and they're just trying to figure out where they're going. And there's like a harmonica element to the song. It reached the top 10 in Australia and a couple of countries in Europe. And the boys are seen in the music video playing their drums, the guitars. They're clearly a very talented group. And the song was also written by the Hanson Brothers. The lyrics are very wistful. It's a song about love. Very well written, I think. And this is a music video directed by David Myers, which... While that name might not ring a bell, he's an extreme heavy hitter in music videos. He's also directed at least one other video that is coming up on our list. And I'll talk about him a bit more when we get to that. This music video was fun. Like, yeah, I, it was cute. I would have loved to have been in it. Like, I yeah. feel like the best part of a music video is when you'd be like, yeah, like for I want it that way. You wanted to be the girls who were in the hangar with the posters like it just seemed like they were having fun in the mountains the scenery was stunningly beautiful and they're like jamming out on top of like a caravan right it it looked very fun anyways that's all we have to say about that because literally neither of us have any memories we love hansen though like sorry yes alexis if you're listening to this i know you love hansen too please don't be mad yes don't be mad at us and i have officially downloaded the song because i like it it'll be on our y2k certified playlist on spotify so please subscribe yes moving right along into number five we have show me the meaning of being on day So this was at number one for 23 days in 2000. This is another deep cut by Backstreet Boys. I'm kind of surprised that all of their top performing TRL videos this year are like sad, sad like songs. BSB are a bunch of somber sallies on this list. Maybe it's just like Shape of My Heart. It's so good. Like the harmony on their final chorus, I could write a dissertation on how all their voices come together at the last chorus in this song. So maybe it's just like, we love the music. I just love and appreciate that the boys were using their art towards remembering and honoring people that they lost. For so early in their career, I mean, I guess it was kind of middle of their career, but that's pretty deep and mature. And they brought it. I agree with you. This music video is tissues worthy (laughs) sad. So each band member has its own dedicated sad story. Mm. And then we sort of follow them through. We watch it play out. And then they unite during the instrumental break in the final chorus, which is kind of sweet because to me, it's like they're all on these tough journeys alone. But then we see them unite at the end. There's not a lot of color throughout the music video, but we see the sun start to rise and there's a colorful sun rise on the horizon. And it's To me, the message was we can get through anything together because we're brothers. So as Um. you mentioned, Mary, the video references the group's real life issues. So we start with Brian. He is in a 
a hospital watching somebody going through a surgery. And it turns out when the doctor, you know, moves their hand, we see that it's Brian watching a surgery on a, on himself. <laughs> and Brian had undergone open heart surgery the previous year for a heart defect that he had had since birth. And he unfortunately felt the need to push off his heart surgery for probably longer than he should have. And then he pretty much jumped right back into work. And we know that that had an an emotional toll on him. And who wouldn't when they're in their mid-20s having an open heart surgery to fix a life-threatening issue. So it was interesting to see that play out in the music video. That's like low-key crazy. And I feel like it's not discussed enough outside the fandom, like what he went through with his health while he was like at the peak of his career. Yeah. I forget which tour it was, Mary, but I remember you uncovered that he needed to have like oxygen tanks off stage so that he could make sure he was okay because he literally jumped right back into touring Mm -hmm. and he felt really guilty. He, his now wife who was then his girlfriend almost broke up with him. She was like, you have to get the surgery. I'm literally breaking up. Like you're going to die. Cause you die. Yeah. Right. So I think this was like a really deep storyline that the fans would instantly recognize, but that wasn't really talked about very often. So that's Brian's storyline. Then we see AJ and he's on this empty bus. He is holding a picture of a girl and it's dedicated to a dear friend of his who had died in a car accident. We see him crying and we Mm. see this girl on the back of the bus and he looks at her and then she sort of disappears. So the bus that AJ rides also has a really sweet tribute embedded in it. The bus is marked for Dennis Street and it's driven by an actor who resembles Dennis Pop, who was was the producer of some of the most iconic Backstreet Boys tracks. He worked really closely with Max Martin and he died in 1998. So the music video, if you watch it on YouTube at the very beginning, it is dedicated to Dennis Pop. So another really sweet dedication and tribute. I have a Backstreet Boys live in concert CD that I was recently listening to in my boyfriend's car because that's the only place that we have a CD player. And they have a live performance of Show Me the Meaning of Being Lonely and Howie, I think they did this for a lot of the stops on the Millennium Tour, but Howie introduces the song and honors Dennis Pop and says that this song is for him and it's for anybody who's lost someone. And so it's very touching. And you can get a little bit more information about um, Max Martin and his relationship to Dennis Pop in our Max Martin episode. You know, Max basically credits Dennis for making Max Martin Max Martin. He was definitely Max's mentor and taught him like everything that he knew. So very touching tribute. Speaking of touching, for Kevin's storyline, we see him watching old videos of him and his father who died of cancer years before. And then in Nick's scene, we see him walking down the street wearing like this kind of made me laugh out loud his little like newsboy hat. <laughs> yes. So cute. He's typical Nick, like serving face. Like he's like getting all, I don't know, he's just emotional, feeling like, himself. Yes. Right. Love him. So we see him walking down the street and he saves a woman from almost being hit by a bus that AJ is riding on the (laughs) Dennis Street bus. And this represents a fan who almost got run over by one of the Backstreet Boys tour buses, right? Right. So I recently read about this for an upcoming episode we're doing. And how crazy is that? I believe this was in in Europe that this happened. And she may have actually gotten hit by the bus or broke her leg somehow or she did end up in the hospital because I remember reading that the boys went and visited her in the hospital and I was like a little bit jealous <laughs> but Take the she leg. Was, yeah she was she's <laughs> alive she's fine so but yes a crazy story 
I mean, if any of you have watched like Backstreet Boys Around the World in 80 Days or like those crazy like movies that they would come out with, the tour bus situation was serious. Like especially crazy. in South America, like the fans would like try to tip their tour bus <laughs> over. Like it was bananas. So that was a nice tribute on Nick's part. So next we get into Howie's story. He sees this woman who represents his sister who died a year earlier mm. from lupus, which is an autoimmune disease. So obviously this is just like a really sad bunch of vignettes where they're each sort of going through their own pain, processing their own trauma. And again, the music video is shot in this really desaturated color scheme. You only see little pops of red here and there. It's on the clothing that the, that AJ's friend is wearing. And then the very end of the video, when the boy, when the group walks out into the city, we see them walking towards this really colorful sunrise. And again, to me, the metaphor here is just how they work through their grief together to get to a better place as a group through leaning on each other. And, you know, there's always tomorrow. That's what I took away from it. Yeah. And like you said, they're brothers. They have each other to kind of get through grief together. And I think that's true to an extent of that group. They're, They're very close. And that's show me the meaning of being lonely. Mary, what's next on the list? All right. Let's give them one more today, Kels. Number six, we're going to do Lucky with Britney Spears. Yes, this is a very special song to many of us millennials and Britney fans. So really excited. This one spent 19 days at number one on TRL in 2000. And it was, (laughs) bet you're shocked about this, Kels. It was co-written and co-produced by Max Martin, obviously. You know the the beginning of Lucky. You can hear him right there. Dun, 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 dun. Just total Max Martin signature giveaway. The song has like an interesting composition in that it has this upbeat melody, but really sad tone, sad lyrics. And da 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 da, it was directed by David Myers, the gentleman that directed the Hanson music video. He has worked with Pink, Jay Z, NSYNC, Janet Jackson, JLo, Macy Gray, no doubt, Aaliyah, Enrique, just to skim the surface. So Honestly, he, I should have gotten into the music video business. Oh, I know. I, it's it's a great like creative outlet. It's very cool to see how they put it together. He also worked with Britney on the Boys Remix music video, Radar. Anyone remember the Radar Horse? And the never released and never finished Outrageous video when Britney hurt her knee. So there's a making the video about this, obviously. And David Myers describes how excited he is to work with Britney and describes her as an icon. And it's only 2000. So she's been on the scene for about two years. We love the recognition he gives her and how excited he is. And he's just said how he's been itching to work with her. He said he's really excited that this video is an opportunity to show her kind of maturing. And she was maturing along with the music video, which I definitely can see. So this was shot in June of 2000 on June 12th and 13th. And it was released a month later on July 13th. So quick turnaround, as Kels mentioned. It was actually supposed to be a three-day shoot, but it was cut down to two days so Brittany could attend Jamie Lynn's dance recital in which I guess she was doing a little song and dance performance to Brittany's songs, You Drive Me Crazy. 
And Brittany made a comment and yeah, I know she made a comment in the video, making the video that, you know, my family always comes first and, you know, that just, I know it hurts. It's hard to watch the making the video, as you said, was just such a total gift. We see Brittany pull up. She has a car full of her dancers and friends and they're just laughing and happy and making fun of her for being a bad driver. And she just seems really happy. So it's nice to be able to see that footage of her. Kelsey, any memories of this video? The white trim furry oh, robe. Yes. I love that. any all of my friends who are blonde. I'm like, you need to be that for Halloween. Like yeah. you need to be lucky. I love when she's sitting on the stars and you know, we oh, get yeah. a little CGI. It's very like Moulin Rouge vibes. Yes. <laughs> like, That's a good way to know. put it. Her makeup, her hair, she everything. Looks gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. Let's get into it. So we have two Britneys in this video. We have narrator Brittany. He's telling the story and Lucky, the star. And the plot goes as such. The video begins with narrator Brittany telling a story about a very famous Hollywood actress named Lucky. You know, you all know the intro. Let's go. This is a story about a girl named Lucky. So narrator Brittany says this iconic opening line and she's on a stage in front of a curtain and the, the Greek comedy tragedy masks are hanging up behind her. Curtain opens, and now narrator Brittany is up on top of a billboard of Lucky. It says Lucky on top of the world. And we cut to Lucky, and Lucky wakes up, and she's wearing her beautiful white robe that Kelsey mentioned, all that nice fur on the edges. She's awakened by those classic knock, knock, knock on the door. And the butler's bringing her flowers. She's living every girl's dream, waking up in this beautiful hotel suite. Flowers are being delivered. What's not to like? Narrator Brittany is sitting on this star shape up in the sky. She's looking down at Lucky, who's now out her balcony, staring out wistfully, seeming sad. And I I love, like you mentioned, this look that Brittany has when she's playing Lucky. She's emphasized her mole a bit. She has her hair curled. She looks kind of Marilyn ish to me fun fact did anyone know her and Brittany are actually distant cousins i did not know yes like very distant cousins but they have been traced back to one another which makes sense by this time we're through the first chorus and lucky goes back inside she has a ton of flowers in this hotel suite and narrator Brittany, surprise is looking on and watching and she almost tries to reach out to touch lucky while she's smelling all these flowers But Lucky turns away right in time, but she seems to sense this presence. She kind of looks around like, hmm, what was that? Lucky then sits down and gets a bejeweled mirror, and the mirror seems to have something special about it. It's like when she looks at herself in it, she can see the real her or the sadness in this mirror. There's just something very special about this mirror. But then someone's at the hotel, and Lucky gets up and opens the door to reveal a handsome man. And I'm like, oh, maybe this is her boyfriend or her husband. He takes her in his arms for a kiss. And then all of a sudden, a director yells, cut. We've got it. It's all just an act. It's for whatever she's filming. So then Lucky walks off the set. She's like, finally, we've done it a million times. She seems like frustrated, tired, and almost a little rude, not like the Britney we all know and love. And she you know, kicks off her heels. She's having... Her hair and makeup done, people are poking and prodding at her, and narrator Brittany is standing to the side, unnoticed, and looking very concerned. And so she looks at herself in that bejeweled Disney princess special powers mirror, 
And, you know, she gets a (laughs) mirror, mirror on the wall. There's something special about this mirror. And she, you know, she gets a call on her flip phone and she's all stressed out talking to someone on the flip phone. Narrator Brittany, you know, reaches over and actually takes the special mirror. And then we see narrator Brittany up in the sky on her star again. She's throwing glitter down on Hollywood. And we cut to see Lucky in this shiny silver evening gown, kind of an iconic scene from the video, I think. She's at the Oscars accepting her award for Best Actress. We all know the line. Roger Johnson for Pop News standing outside waiting for Lucky. Oh, my God. Here she comes. I'm Roger Johnson for Pop News standing outside the arena waiting for Lucky. Oh, my God. Here she comes. Everybody's cheering for her. When you look in, it would just seem like she's living this charmed life and everything's perfect. Like, what could this girl want for? So she accepts her Oscar and is smiling at her fans. Narrator Brittany's throwing down more glitter from the star and Lucky looks up. It's like she senses this glitter falling. She senses a presence and she makes her way away from her screaming fans. As soon as she gets in the limo, her smile fades. She looks tired and she looks down and finds that special bejeweled fairy princess hand mirror that she had on the film set sitting next to her in the limo. And she kind of looks back in the crowd like, wait, where did this come from? Who left this? And she sees narrator Brittany leaning forward in the crowd trying to get her attention. And this seems to be the first time that Lucky actually sees Brittany, but she doesn't really know what to make of it. I mean, I don't know how I would make of it if I saw myself in the crowd, you know, looking (laughs) at myself all concerned. And so she kind of turns away and shakes it off. The limo driver drives her away and leaves narrator Brittany behind and alone on the red carpet. And we get another cutscene with narrator Brittany throwing down glitter from her star and It takes us to Lucky crying herself to sleep, and we see those classic black tears streaming down her face, mascara tears. And it's worth noting that for this last chorus of the song, we actually get a little lyrical change. Only in the last chorus, the first two choruses ask, if there's nothing missing in her life, then why do these tears come at night? So talking about someone else. But this final chorus we get, if there's nothing missing in my life, then why do these tears come at night? To be honest, I find that subtle one word lyrical change at the end to be profound and make it clear who this song is really about. And after that final chorus, the curtain falls and the music video is over. I know we all like to share that meme of Lauren Conrad of The Hills with the black mascara tear, but Britney did it first in the lucky video. (laughs) And she did it first. She did it beautifully. Those are like classic mascara tears. I thought Britney did such a good job acting in this. Like when she's supposed to be like a diva and I... Mm-hmm. She did such a great job. Looking back, it's really eerie. Even if Brittany didn't have that much of a hand in writing this song, or it just applies to her obviously conflicted feelings and relationship to fame. For me, this is very hard for me to watch knowing all that she's been through. I literally sent a selfie to Kelsey at like six in the morning when I was watching <laughs> this of tears strolling down my face, just because I find it so profound in the sense that it applies to her life. Lucky's lonely. She doesn't have time for herself or a relationship. She's always alone. But of course, on the surface, everything appears perfect. Fame, fortune, fans, success. And she's just tormented by 
this loneliness. And in making the video, Brittany has a comment. She's like, you know, Lucky seems to have it all, but never really has time for herself. She's lonely. It's kind of depressing. And then Brittany goes on to say, you know, I hate this whole woe is me. I'm, I'm a celebrity. My life's so hard mentality. And I wouldn't change my life for a thing, but I am human and definitely have my own depressing moments. And again, she is a real queen. She is a relatable queen. And Lucky is one of my all-time favorites, I would say. I agree. It's a great music video. Just an iconic song. Everyone knows it. I I really like the concept of the video. And I agree, you know, looking back, knowing what we know now, it makes it extra sad. But I feel like so many celebrities have this sort of story. They don't want to people always rag on them for sharing it that it's hard to be so rich and famous right. and have everything you want at the drop of the dime but it is very isolating and you're surrounded by people who just you're not really quite sure of what their intentions are mm-hmm. not that I know from experience myself but I can just <laughs> neither of us imagine, yes you know, I've watched enough true Hollywood story and 100% but we did our first six top videos of 2000 and we have six more plus some honorable mentions teed up for you already next week. It's too good to fit into one episode. We need to go into a part two. I'm sorry yes. to be like a TikTok creator. You gotta stick around <laughs> for part two. It'll drop next week, but you're going to want to stick around because, oh my God, I feel like a TRL VJ. Stick around yes. because coming up, we have Real Slim Shady. We've got some Ricky Martin, obviously more Backstreet Boys, some more Britney. I'm scrolling through the outline. Yes, to see what we have J-Lo. We have Christina we Aguilera. Have, yes, some classics. So... Definitely tune in next week for part two as we wrap up our countdown and hit on some honorable mentions. And also, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at When They Popped Pod. Thank you all so much for listening and spending your Mondays with us or whatever day you're listening to. We appreciate you and we'll pick back up where we left off next week with our TRL top videos. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 (laughs) 